You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Today we're going to look at a fascinating piece of scripture. Um, And I'm going to do a bit of expository of that scripture. But, um, you know, we were given the, uh, I was given the opportunity to preach and Matt said, just preach what's on your heart, which is sometimes harder than, I was doing a series and just preach from this passage. Um, So as you can imagine, I had a, a lot of different things and then the topic of prayer came into my heart. And I was like, wow, that's a huge topic. How can I cover that in 30 minutes? Um, and then I realized I couldn't. So, but I do want to talk today about something of our dialogue with God. And, um, and I want to go back to the beginning in Genesis. The beginning is a very good place to start. Um, and, and I think you would, you would agree, I'm sure, those of us here, that intimacy with God and connection with him is fundamental to our walk. Would you agree with that? Um, And as part of that, the role of prayer or conversation with God is is obviously directly linked to that. Um, And so for myself, you know, I've been a Christian for the majority of my life and, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and it was like, yeah, I learned the principles, I learned what was good and what was wrong and what was bad and I learned about God, but it was only over a journey of many years that I started to go, hang on, I can have a relationship with God. It's not just a set of rules. It's not a set of good principles because they're great principles. What the Bible says, what God says, but there's so much more when we start to realize there's an actual relationship we can have. And and that's an ongoing process. I I know in my life there's ebbs and flows. There's times where I'm like, I'm feeling a bit distant. I don't really feel connected. I don't really feel like I'm hearing God. and it's those times where I've, I've had to shift and go, hang on, there's, there's some changes I can make so that I can hear God better. So my heart today is that all of us would continue to grow and understand more of what this looks like to dialogue with God. So as I said, we're going to start in looking at Genesis chapter 3. Now this is, um, this is amazing because it's the first recorded passage in Scripture of a dialogue between God and man. And there's this thing called um, first principles or first mention. And often in, in scripture, the first mention of a principle or an idea often sets a precedent or a pattern or a biblical concept of, of that, then, that flows into the rest of the Bible, that flows into something we can learn of God. Um, and that's, I think, it's important. So let's start by reading the passage and then we'll get into some more of the detail. So we're reading from, can anyone guess where we're going to be reading from? Because this, you probably all heard this, it's, it's the fall of man. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, from verse 1. If you want to bring that up, I'll start. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, fascinating here that, the serpent was talking. Were all the animals talking in, in the garden? Who knows? I think, I think they might have. Um, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it. So there's one tree they were told, don't, don't go there, don't touch that one. Lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good 
and evil. Interesting there that there's, there's a lot of truth in that. They were, their eyes were going to be open. They're going to know good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Again, I'll get into that. Um, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I I was meditating on this. I'm going, did did this happen like in the same day? And again, it's not really that important, but I think it was the same day. But then, so they heard the, the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And here we see this first dialogue between God and man. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? I mean, God knew what was going on. Of which I commanded you not to eat. And then the man says, we all heard this before, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And again, let's, uh, I've read that first part just to set the context, but I really want to focus from verse 8 to, um, to 13. But what we see here in this dialogue is um, a conversation between God and man. Now, I think it's important then when we look at prayer, prayer is dialogue with God. Um, so as we, as we go forward today, when I'm talking about dialogue, I'm talking about prayer. When I'm talking about prayer, I'm talking about dialogue. And this is obviously a personal conversation. Eve was there, but it seems like the conversation was to Adam, and then he talked to Eve as well. Um, again, just keep that in mind. Um, as you can imagine, there's, there's different types of prayer. So we have prayers of intercession, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of supplication, um, and petition. Um, and then there's this thing of personal prayer, where it's conversing with God about a certain topic, and that can be varied. And, you know, this is what Jesus had in mind when he spoke in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Another fascinating scripture. But what we see there, firstly, is that note that he doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. So there's, he's, Jesus is saying for granted that in the Christian life there will be prayer And that's an ongoing thing. We also read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And I remember growing up, you'd read that scripture, I'm like, how does that mean we're constantly praying? And I always picture in my heart that, you know, kneeling by your bed, praying. I'm like, am I supposed to do that all day? I mean, that's pretty full on. Um, But then I realized, you know, prayer being a conversation with God, that can be ongoing. That's a thing that you can do constantly. And... um, you know, there's a hymn that one of its phrases is the Christian's prayer is the Christian's native breath that we can't almost live without this communion with God. So I think that's key. And obviously that, that whole scripture in Matthew 6 of going, shutting the door and praying in secret is, is 
talking of something of shutting out everything else that could distract. You're not letting other things interfere. And I think for me, this is very much the thing of our quiet time, our, our time away. You look at the life of Jesus. He made very key. I mean, the fact that it's mentioned in scriptures must mean he did a whole lot more. You know how it says in scripture that, you know, if we, you can't, the number of things he did couldn't be counted like the sand on the seashore. And, um, and in the same way, what he did say, you go, wow, that must have been profound then to be added in. So the fact that Jesus, it says several times that he went away, it says in, where is it, Mark 6, after he'd taken leave, he went up to the mountain to pray. And there's something about having quiet times where you're focused on conversing with God. It doesn't mean you can't converse with God outside of that, but there is such a key in getting away and getting into a quiet place where you can really develop that um, dialogue with God. So I think for me, I've realised, you know, if we're serious about our relationship with God, we need to, I want to grow in intimacy, we, we need to make that space. It's like this is one of the big rocks. It's got to be there. It's got to be in your life. It's not an optional extra. And I think, too, sometimes when we approach prayer, we see it as, oh, that's a tool we have. So, you know, when I need something, I'll pray to God. When there's an issue, I'll pray. And yes, th that is part of it, but it's so much more. When we see it as dialogue with God, yeah. then it's something we do every day. It's an ongoing thing. And I think that's just a, a key for us to realize. So let's get back to this passage. Um, Genesis 3, and we'll, from verse 8, and it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord. And what I want to do first is just infer a few things of what we can draw from this passage. I think the, the first thing we can infer is that this meeting with God was likely a regular thing that happened prior to this. So we're talking, okay, there's the fall, they've, they've sinned, but before this, there was obviously some daily conversing. And I think I was struggling with this idea of, you know, after fall, before the fall, you know, you can't compare the two. But the fact is, when Jesus came, he's now restored the relationship that God intended from the beginning. So we can draw something from this and go, hey, that applies to us now because Jesus has made a way for us to be reconnected the way it was meant to be from the beginning. And I, I don't think we'll ever feel the, see the fullness of that until Jesus comes and we're with him in heaven. But I think there's definitely things that we can live in now of this whole dialogue with God. So we're referring, it happened regularly, um, that this meeting with God was something of a joy in their life. It was a, a blessing to them. And we also see that it seemed to be a regular action from God's part. It's interesting when you read that, that it was God who came down to walk in the garden. It wasn't them approaching God, it was God approaching them. Um, which is even more profound when you realise what they've just done. They've just disobeyed God, they've just allowed sin to enter the world, I, I was just like, wow, this, this is a huge thing. Did they really realise? I don't think they fully comprehended what they had just done, but it's, yeah. Um, so we see God come. He comes into the garden to converse with the two humans he had created. Um, it's a beautiful picture of this, his desire to commune with them, to be with them in this garden he had created. Um, and then we had the footsteps. Interesting that the footsteps came in this morning, but the sound of his footsteps reminded Adam and Eve that the time had come for their daily conversation with God. Um, and I think, too, as we see that God comes to the garden, I think when it comes to prayer and dialogue, 
the fact that it's initiated by God, I think often we think, oh, I need to pray to God. I need to converse with him. But he, he's the actual one initiating. He's the one that draws. I don't know if you feel that, that often that, that drawing to the Father. Um, I know when I got baptized in the Spirit, there was a distinct change I noticed with, there was a hungering for being with God that was like, it was just a drawing. And that is the beauty of God. He initiates and he gives us the opportunity to respond. But he still initiates. And that to me is is very encouraging. And it's a great truth about prayer that God initiates. And um, it's important we realize that. So it begins with God. It's God who helps. It's God who stirs. It's God who stirs our heart to intercede for others as well. And you'll see, even as I'm talking about dialogue with God, it then flows on to all the other types of prayer where it's God-led and we just get to go along for the ride. Um, Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, we do not know what to pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And, you know, again, talking about conversing, have you ever felt, you know, times in your life where you're in a, maybe a trial or a situation where, where it's overwhelmed you and you don't know how to hardly analyse what you're going through, let alone pray to God about it. And I think there's this beautiful picture here of this conversing with God. The Holy Spirit helps us with it. When it's God initiated, it's like, don't think, oh, I need to now get my, my thoughts together so I can pray. It's like, no, we call out to God going, God, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. And it's this... That, the whole scripture there, the Spirit helps us. We don't know what to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans. And that's just, again, a, a fascinating insight of the Spirit helping us in our weakness. And he actually begins to pray through us so that, in a way, we become God's prayer room. Do you think, just realise that the, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to the Father. Holy Spirit and the Father are the same, so it's almost like the Spirit of God prays to the Father and the Father who knows the mind of the Spirit then can act according to what the Spirit prays and we just the instrument. He's like working through us and in us. Uh, that blows my mind. But it's again coming back to this picture of prayer that it's all God that does it anyway. And it's his desire just to want to converse with us. He, he desires relationship. He des- desires this dialogue. And... Um, and in a way, we just got to let it happen and respond to that and not close that off. Um, so when I come back to this picture here, the other thing we can infer that it was when God came in the, in the, in the garden in the, in the evening, there's, again, there's this beautiful picture of a, a relaxed atmosphere. And I think when we converse with God, it, it should be a relaxed thing. It should be natural. You know, when you're in a good relationship with a friend, with your wife or husband or whatever, a good relationship to me is it's, it's relaxed. It's, it's not tense. It's not like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? I don't want to trip up. It's relaxed and it, it, there's a sense of openness there. And um, I think that's how God intended it, our relationship with him to be. Um, a place where they could converse. You think about what, what would they have talked about, Adam and Eve, before the fall? with God. They would have had questions. They would have been curious about things. They would have just been talking to him about their day. And I just, there's a beautiful picture here of, of what we too can experience. Um, so again, be encouraged by that because I think sometimes we see prayer and conversing with God. It's only, oh, it's only the big things in my life, but it's, it's everything. 
And um, let's not limit it in a way just to those key parts of your life, but just open it up to everything. So let's get back to the scripture. And I think, you know, God comes in and it's, it's this fascinating idea where Adam and Eve have just eaten from the tree. Sin has now entered the world. And, and now God comes and is like, the usual catch-up, sweet, but now something's wrong. Sin's entered the world. So Adam and Eve now have hidden themselves from God and um, God's come down. And obviously God's intent is he wants to restore relationship. I find this fascinating again. The fact that straight after the fall, God's coming in to restore relationship. Um, if, if I was God, not, not God, I would have let them... I would have left them like, oh, they've stuffed it. I can't believe it. I always wonder, how long was it before they fell? I don't know. But God straight away was like, no, I wanna, I'm going to restore this. I'm going to bring restoration. And he does this through three questions. I need to move on. Three questions that are asked in this passage. Where are you, Adam? Who told you you were naked? And have you eaten of the tree? And then what is this that you have done? And um, I love how in Scripture you see questions used to help um, open up a situation. You know, I work in engineering and we, we often, we build computer models. And one of the best things I teach my guys to do is ask questions of the model. Because when you ask questions, it can cause an investigation that can search out an issue or can reveal an issue. And then you have a chance to resolve that issue. And we see God doing that, this here in the garden. And, and I think it's just a thing of beauty. So we start with, where are you? And this is such an important question. It was an important question for Adam. But in our own lives, God teaches us that we live in a fallen world. And it's important that we frequently ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we in relation to God's will for our lives? Where are we in walking out that call he has for us? And if you think about someone what's coming this morning and they're like, yeah, I'm going to come to the service and then they call you just before it begins and go, um, I don't know what, how to get there. Can you tell me how to get there? What's the first thing you're going to ask them? Well, where are you now? Where, where are you? And then I can tell you how to get here. Um, and it's such a key question because it helps us to realise our present state. For Adam, God was teaching him going, hey, where are you? What's going on? You're obviously not in the place we were yesterday where we were just in conversation. We were, it was natural. All of a sudden, these fears come in. You're, you're scared, you're, um, you're hiding, and you're not wanting to come into my presence. And, um, and again, we see here God asking this question, and he goes, well, you know, I'm here, I'm here in the bushes, feeling ashamed, <laughs> naked and deprived and away from you. I mean, it, it's, I think Adam's suddenly realising the enormity of what's happened. He's going, oh my goodness, I've, <laughs> I've done it now. I've eaten that, that fruit, and I mean, I don't want to, I was like, gee, you can be quite humorous here, but this is such a serious thing. But um, yeah, I, I think again, this question of where am I is so important that we keep asking that in our own lives of, of almost like a spiritual audit. Um, and I've noticed this in my life, you know, not where you realize sometimes that you're in a place that you don't necessarily want to be. And it's not always like this major issue, like, oh, I've, I've, 
I, I think it, it, it varies. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where I'm like, hang on, I, this isn't God's intent for me to be in this place, whether it's a place of fear, whether it's a place of anxiety, whether it's just you're not quite walking in God's will for your life. And I think the beauty of asking this question is it's firstly realising that you're maybe not where God wants you to be. And then that opens the door then to go, well, let's make some changes. Um, for me recently, I just felt this thing of, you know, and it's, it's a thing in, in society, this thing of apathy, and almost, I guess, being a bit slack with my walk with the Lord. And as I said, it's God initiated, but we still need to respond. And I just felt, again, I was feeling like this slackness entering in, and I was realising I'm spending more time on my phone than I am spending time with the Lord. And again, by asking that question, I was able to identify that and then start to make some changes. You know, putting time restrictions on your phone is a great thing, by the way. Um, but so coming back to the, the passage here, um, we see that God um, asks Adam this question and he, he answers, obviously, and we see there that God is revealing his current state. Um, and in the same way, we can ask that question and respond to that question and then act on it. And then, obviously, we move to the second question, which was, who told you you were naked? And this, again, is a, is a very perceptive question because God was basically saying, I didn't tell you you were naked, but obviously something or somewhere you've learned this um, that you didn't know before. And it's interesting when you imagine this scene of... Before this, obviously, they were oblivious to that fact. Um, and now suddenly, without any visible outward change, they were filled with shame because of this. I find, again, this, this amazing, this fact of, why were they so ashamed of their nakedness? I mean, we're talking here, the first two humans ever created. I'm assuming they were pretty good looking, just saying. Um, I don't think they were having to be worried about what they look like. But... Um, yeah, sorry for all you visual people, but I'm just saying they would have been pretty good. They were created by God. But, um, but I think, obviously, it goes much deeper here. The, the nakedness was just an outward thing, but I think before there was sin in the world, obviously, they didn't sense any need for covering. This is a fascinating thing as well, and there's so many tangents I need to keep on track. But this idea that before the fall, they, they were in communion the glory of open relationship with God. God was meeting with them, and it's, I've heard it said that they were clothed in light. Like, God is light. They were clothed in light because they were in, there was no sin. There was nothing blocking them. So, in a way, they were oblivious to the fact they were naked. They were just in this communi open communication with God and covered in light. But once sin came in, that connection was broken. That light, I'm assuming, disappeared and all of a sudden they became aware of their state. And obviously there's guilt and shame, um, but obviously too they're aware of their nakedness, which is, again, fascinating. And in a way, nakedness throughout history has always been associated with shame. Um, so again, God's question implies that something or someone has told you. So the whole thing we can draw out of this is that there are other voices that we shouldn't be listening to. For Adam's and Eve's sake, they listened to the voice of the serpent. Um, for us, there's, there's voices all around us that we're told we shouldn't be listening to because they can misguide and misdirect us. 
And so we need to, we need to hear that warning. Um, you know, there's so many voices, social media, ads, our peers, society in general, everything's shouting at us that you need this, you don't have that, you know, this will make you complete. Um, you know, essentially saying you're naked, you need stuff. Um, you need stuff to make yourself feel whole, to feel good. And um, I think the beauty here is through this dialogue between God and Adam, he was able to break through this illusion uh, from their eyes to show them that they were listening to the wrong voice. They listened to the voice of the serpent. Um, and the same for us, we can listen to wrong voices. And um, I was like, I'd, lo I'd love to give you something practical here because voices, as I said, are all around us and learning to hear the voice of God is a key part of our walk. Because yes. obviously there's, there's the voice of the world, there's the voice of self, then there's the voice of the devil, and then there's the voice of God. Brilliant. So three bad voices, one good one. Um, we need to focus on the good one. And how do we do that? Well, there's, there's three, three key things. We can pray, conversing with God, but James 1, verse 5, we're not going to read it, but it'll probably come up, it says to ask for wisdom. Ask God to make his will known. That's a thing we should be doing regularly, like daily. Asking God, God, give me wisdom for this day. Help me to understand your will for this day. Um, the second one, study the word. You know, the primary way, I, I find it interesting, the, the primary way God still speaks is through his scripture. He speaks in many ways, but gee, my goodness, the, the Bible we have in front of us in it, he shows us his character. In it, he shows us how he's dealt with people through history. We can learn so much. Even in this passage from Genesis, we learn so much of the character of God and how he wants to speak to us and how he wants to restore us into proper relationship, relaxed relationship with him. Yeah. It says, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed. Profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, everything. It's, it's there. And then C is the Holy Spirit. We know we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we heard before, he intercedes for us, but he also has given gifts to benefit the church. We read that in 1 Corinthians 12. And again, one of the other things we can do to discern thoughts and to discern the um, voice of the Lord is through this thing of questions. Um, there's a lot of good, really good questions you can ask yourself that can help you distinguish, am I hearing God here or is it something else? Things like, will following this inclination lead me to more Christ-likeness? Wow. Will dwelling on this thought produce more of the fruit of the Spirit in me? Are the promptings confusing or, or, or vague? As in, God is not, an, he's not a God of confusion. Yes. So if it's all over the place, sometimes whether well, you can normally say, well, that's not of God. Do the thoughts go against God's word? I mean, we align it with the word. If it contradicts the word, it's not of God. And then the other thing we can do in this area is seeking counsel. That's why God's put us together in a church, in a body, so we can help each other. Um, so, yeah, this point was, who told you you were naked? And again, it's that question of which voices are you listening to? And then thirdly, we see this final question, what is this that you have done? And this, again, we see the age-old blame passing. Adam took it like a man and blamed his wife. <laughs> Eve, Eve took it like a woman and blamed the neighbours. <laughs> but we see, yes, yes. Um, hidden, though, in this response was basically they were blaming God. You know, 
Adam said, the woman you gave me. Eve said, the serpent you put in the garden. But interesting, if you look a little bit closer, you see both of them do to come to some realisation that actually it was my fault. Because they both said, and I ate. You see that in, in Genesis 3, 12 and 13. They said, you know, Eve told me, Eve gave it, and I ate. And then it, um, Eve says, the serpent tempted me, and I ate. So, which is interesting, because this whole last question was all about God helping them see the responsibility and acknowledging their part in this. So again, he's drawing out this thing of, you know, where are you? Where, what's your state? Why are you now, like, listening to these voices? And now what have you done? And he's helping you see this progression of he's helping them realise, I guess, the enormity of what they've done. But then he's saying, because then after this, you see a very different tact that God takes. He stops asking the questions and he almost um, changes into like a a defence attorney. He's standing on their behalf. Let's just read this last passage. Genesis 3 verse 14. So this is after they've essentially acknowledged. Again, before this time, I was like, did they actually say they were sorry or was the acknowledgement enough? Um, And again, it doesn't, it's not that clear here, but I'm assuming there's some level of Their acknowledgement was admitting that they had disobeyed. Um, So it says here, the Lord God said to the servant. So again, he shifts from asking questions to now going to cursing the serpent. The Lord said to the servant, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and woman and her offspring shall bruise your head. And then he says to the woman, you'll have pain in childbirth. To the man, he says, so there's a consequence. And this is an important part as well. There's a consequence to sin. God's not like, oh, you've you've said you're sorry. I'm going to wipe all consequence. No, the consequence is there. And we need to live with that sometimes in life. Um, So God's, God's a just God. He's not like, oh, yeah, free pass. You said, sorry, it's okay. It is okay, but there's still often a consequence. Um, But then I love this last bit from verse 20. It says, Then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So there's this beautiful picture at the end of this dialogue between God and man where he clothes them. He covers their nakedness. And this is... This is a profound picture, again, of God providing a covering for all those who come to him in repentance and in faith. And we read in in Scripture, in Isaiah 61, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. See, it all of a sudden takes on a different light when we realise he's covering our shame, he's covering our nakedness, and he's covering us with a robe of righteousness, as it says there in Isaiah. And what a beautiful picture. Again, here in this passage, we see this lesson that we can learn that it was through this act of dialogue, the beginnings of dialogue in Scripture, painful as it may have been, it was confronting for Adam and Eve. God was like hitting them hard. Like, where are you? What's going on? What have you done? But through it, we see that God broke through the misunderstanding He helped them to see that they were listening to the wrong voices. And through that confusion, he brought order back in and helped them to see where they were and then to accept his forgiveness and restoring love. And then we see, again, God coming at the end there and covering them. And I, again, this is an aside, but the fact he would have killed an animal to make 
the clothing. And I think there, again, are we seeing the first sacrifice taking place of blood being shed to cover what they had done and then the clothing being given to cover um, their wrongdoing. So I guess in, in conclusion, I think, you know, there's lots of things you can draw from this passage and I want to encourage us to, you know, when we read scripture, it's so good to, to delve deeper. You know, I, I read that scripture before. Those who go away to a secret place and God who is in secret will reward you. There's a reward when we come to him in prayer. There's a reward when we go and search scripture. He's going to bless you with revelation. He's going to bless you with so many things, joy, peace, um, understanding his will, um, understanding where maybe you've, you've gone astray a bit. He's going to come and direct. And again, he's the one that initiates. He's the one that's doing it all in the background. So, you know, maybe you've, you're here today and you've forgotten the beauty of dialogue with our Father. Maybe you've limited your prayer life to just asking God things, asking, bringing petitions, and that's part of it. But maybe you need to expand that again and go, hi, I just want to dialogue with God. I just want to be in his presence. Um, it's such a beautiful thing. Maybe you're reluctant to come to God because maybe you don't see the point. Maybe you go, oh, I've tried that, it doesn't work. And I would encourage you again, because God initiates, ask him to help you with that. Um, we're, we're all different. We all hear God differently. But the fact is, he wants to communicate with you and he's going to help you. And I think that's the key because sometimes we go, oh, I can't do it. I don't think that way. I don't feel like other people feel. Well, God can talk you a different way. It doesn't have to always be the same way. And I think that's a, a key thing for maybe a few people here today. And then with those questions, where are you? Where are you at in God's will for your life? Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe you realise, hey, I'll, I'm probably not right in God's will at the moment. And again, it starts with acknowledging that. And then it starts going, well, are you listening to the wrong voices in your life? Is God's voice the main voice in your life that you're listening to? And then take responsibility. Repentance, we keep saying it, is a beautiful thing because it turns us away from something um, sin, wrong thinking, wrong patterns, and restores us back into this relationship and dialogue with God. So, um, can I pray? Um, you know, this is always an interesting one. How do you end when it's like, these are things, it's a very personal thing, your walk with God. But I hope that you're inspired again to pursue that, to make it a priority in your life, to, to grow that thing. It, it, it's an ongoing thing. So, Lord, I just thank you for even this account we've read today, Lord, of seeing the way you weave and orchestrate and just through questions were able to bring a level of restoration um, for Adam and Eve, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that even as we live this life, I thank you that you want to converse with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that initiates, that you are the one that has made a way through Jesus for us to be restored in a real way to having a relationship with you, Lord, of being able to converse, of being able to interact with you, to catch your heart, Father. Lord, I thank you for the other aspects of prayer that we can then walk into, of, of catching your heart for other people, Lord, of, of being thankful in all that you've given us. Father, I just pray that we would continue in this walk with you, Lord, that our, that our intimacy with you would grow and that our dialogue with you would be ongoing, Lord. 
in Jesus' name, Lord. I just pray against any, any voices that are not of you. I just silence them, Lord. I pray that where we've been listening to those, that you would help us by your spirit to detect them and choose not to listen to them, Lord, and make your voice the number one voice we listen to. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.